Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Craig Ellingson, sports editor at the Edmonton Journal, and this is our Oilers podcast for January 8th, 2015. With me are journal hockey writer Jim Matheson. Hi, Maddie. How are you? Uh, Joanne Ireland, hockey writer. Hello. And our sports columnist, John McKinnon. Howdy. And it's been a while since we've done one of these. I, I think of at least a month. And uh, they've won a couple of games since what? the last yeah. time Get out of we were on. Of course, they've lost a whole bunch of games, too, since uh, early this. No, think positive now. Okay, fine. There are two wins in there and among the 20 how many games? Against good teams, too. Oh, okay. But all those not-so-good teams they lost to. It's always a problem. Um, since we last talked, and actually we did do... All the teams are good from the, where they're sitting, believe me. Yeah, we've had a, you know quite a bit of uh, action going on around the team, and the biggest one being the coach was fired. Dallas Hakins out the door in mid-December, and Todd Nelson is now the interim head coach, and he has... He has the coaching reins to himself behind the bench now after general manager Craig McTavish uh, hung around for a few games before the new year. And uh, I've got to ask, what have you seen so far from Mr. Nelson as the coach? Well, hey, I think he was uh, gritting his teeth when he didn't get the job in the first place when they gave it to Dallas Aikens because he was their farm team coach and now he's up uh, coaching uh, the Oilers. And uh, if nothing else, the team seems to be playing with a little more pace uh, to their game and the practices are certainly faster than they were before. Um, I think he hasn't been dealt the greatest of hands for a first National Hockey League opportunity to be a head coach to be honest coaching the 30th place team in the National Hockey League and I don't know how you would grade him from now until the end of the year as to whether you keep him or not 500 if they somehow went the last you know half of the season uh, then you would take a look at him and say you know that's certainly progress from a team that's only won nine games in the first 41, but I think he's doing a fine job. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Maddie. The pace has definitely a lot changed. Even We even see it in the practices, like right from the get-go, there was a discernible difference in just even the pace of the practice and not spending as much time at the board with more less teaching, more, um, more on-ice practice than off. And... Uh, the interesting thing to me was Dallas was always the big uh, big advocate for giving guys time off and following sleep patterns and working travel around, whereas Todd comes in and they practice more and yet they're producing more. So I'm not sure if they needed it or if they just it was uh, maybe a bit of a kick in the butt for some of them. There's a couple of things on, on um, Todd. First of all, essentially he's completely, as far as I can tell, on task. He seems... I have very little exposure to him so far, but he seems to have very small or perhaps uh, buried uh, ego. He's just focusing on 
uh, what they need to do, how they, you know, the next game, the game plan, and the practice preparation, all the rest of it. The other thing that was a little bit concerning to me uh, at first was, of course, they slap him immediately with the interim tag, and Craig went down his training wheels to help him, you know, run the bench. This is a veteran, you know, pro coach. He's been coaching a long time. And um, it reminded me, uh, years ago, Rick Bonus was uh, coaching in the minors in the Winnipeg Jets system, and they, whoever the coach was at that time, they fired that guy, and they brought in Rick Bonus. And um, they made him, they announced that he was the coach. The, he was the new coach. He was not, there was not an interim coach. He was the new coach. And um, years later, I asked Rick about that, and he told me that he insisted that they name him the coach because that way he wouldn't be like the substitute teacher and the players would take advantage of him. He was the coach. He wasn't, you know, sort of there temporarily. Nelson has coached many of these players before, and they they clearly respect him. And it seems that whatever messaging he's giving to them, I mean, I'm not in there in the room either. None of us are, but... Based on what I've seen, I bet you it's a way simpler message than what Dallas Eakins would have been giving. But I, Dallas I, I seemed to want to uh, showcase. He's a very bright man, and uh, and you know knows a lot of things. Todd is just totally on task, and I think that's helped. Well, we'd be foolish to think it wasn't the messaging wasn't any different than from the coaches to the players and the coaches to the media. I mean, even the press conferences now are much <laughs> shorter and shorter, brighter and tighter. To the point. Yes. Five minutes as opposed to 10 or 15 from a coach who wasn't going to talk as much this year. I think one of the, the key things for Todd Nelson is how he handles Benoit Pouliot's selfish double minor last game. Does he call him in into his office and say, look, I'm giving you this one pass, but if you do that again, you're not playing the next game. Uh, he took offensive zone penalties in New York, too, and that was another offensive zone penalty 200 feet from the net. Now, he's not going to – I don't suggest he sits him out next game, but he has to lay the law down to to uh, Benoit Pouliot that that cannot happen again, or it's just the same, you know, they just brought a different guy in and he's a veteran player and, and he'll let, let him do what he wants to do. So I think that has to be a bit of a line, uh, line in the sand for Todd Nelson behind closed doors. Uh, don't do it again. Um, along with having an, a new head coach or an interim head coach, we have some new acquisitions on the player side and all coming within a few days. Mr. McTavish was very busy acquiring uh, the likes of Derek, Derek Roy, uh, Matt Fraser, and Rob Klinkhammer in separate transactions. And uh, seems to have uh, made a little bit of a difference on the ice at the very least. Uh, lateral moves, he described them as. I would have called them lateral moves, but it's very nice that the general manager calls them that instead of. Well, that was till they moved Perron. Blockbuster moves, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, you're right. I mean, I, I think they wanted a more experienced center, so they got Derek uh, Roy. I wouldn't say he's a bigger center. He's the same size as Mark Arcabello, and it was a one for one because they didn't want to add a player um, and not get rid of one for their reserve list and. Klinkhammer is a big, pretty good skater on the fourth line. Likes to hit people. He's put Johan Franson out right now after freight training him the other night. He's out for the Red Wings. So um, a lot of good hits on defensemen in the Detroit game as well. And Matt Fraser, uh, it's no great shame if you can't make the Boston Bruins. You know, they have some pretty good forwards, so he couldn't make the Bruins. And uh, I hear there was six teams putting claims for Matt Fraser because the Oilers were 30th. They got to him first. So, um, so far the moves look okay. 
Yeah, and I think you bring in, when a team's struggling like they have been and they bring in some players like both Derek Roy and Matt Fraser have sort of something a little bit to prove here. They bring in, they come in some, some energy which this team sorely needed and I think, you know, we're seeing sort of the residual effects of that. Saw it last year a little bit when they brought Matt Hendricks in too. He was sort of the, seemed to be the right guy at the right time, like just to come in and sort of um, get things going and... You know, Fraser, for one, didn't take long before he said that he noticed the team was quite getting a little uh, complacent about losing. So um, maybe it's good to have some fresh eyes and, you know, get that message to the players. So it seems to be working. It's been an interesting progression. In early December, the message was, not changing anything. Fully behind Dallas Akins. These are our guys. We're going with the guys. Two weeks later, okay, Dallas. You know, see you later. Ten days later. <laughs> yeah. Ten days no, later. but he said he wasn't moving any assets, is what he said. And well, I wouldn't consider Mark Arcabello an asset. So, well, David Perron. David Perron, however, is, is, an, is, is, is an, an asset. Yes. The point is, it, the first thing was stay the course. The, the second yeah. thing was, okay, this is enough of this. One of the things about bringing in new players is that you also send a message to the other players. You could be next. That's one message. Another message that you send is a more positive message. Yeah. We're going to try to get some improvements. Yeah. Derek Roy is an NHL player. Mark Arcabello, to my eyes, is an AHL player who can fill in from time to time. Klinghammer adds some some uh, snap, and you know he hits people. He's got some skating, um, you know. So he's gonna. Those guys are to some degree playing on adrenaline, mind you. But they also got Pouliot back. Of course, <laughs> that's been a mixed blessing. But they, but he came back from um, from being injured. Um, so you know there's a bit more jump. And um, you add all of, all those components together, and the chemistry has changed. I mean, it has to. You have a new coach. You have you know some new players, and but also an organizational message that you guys are not good enough. Mm-hmm. So it all and see how long it lasts. That's the question. Yeah, there is uh, lots of times guys get traded and they go hot for two weeks, and then they revert to being who they were when they got traded. It's the reason they do get traded. So yeah, you know, we'll see how it is. In March, you know, another, right. you know, after a couple of long road trips, um, a few more losses. Yeah, I mean, there's still we're all we're, we are halfway through the season. We're 41 games to go yeah. out of 82. I gotta think that that tonight, the orders, all eyes of the orders will be on that Buffalo Carolina game just to see what happens in that one. Mm. Since Buffalo has slipped oh, back yes. into the Connor McDavid <laughs> race. <laughs> What their uh, what's that Latvian guy's name? I can never pronounce it. Gergensen. He's like, you know, he's going to be in the All Star game. Come on, well, you don't like, need to draft McDavid or anything, do they? You know, in in cycling, they have these uh, circuit races where you know obviously there's race to see who finishes first. Then they have a race at the back of the pack too, to you, to avoid being relegated. Being relegated. So you know, the guy whoever stays ahead of the um, ahead of being last, whoever's last is, is lopped out, and you're out of the race. But now in the NHL, we got these teams that every now and then had these surges to the back, and they, so they, they look, whoops, we're getting too, we're getting too high in the standings. <laughs> we got to do something about this. And all of a sudden, you know, they they, they you know basically tie an anchor to themselves and, and, and go downwards. It's a, uh, it's it's well, not very. I remember impressive. Ted Nolan saying about three weeks ago. He says, "I just don't understand it. Every time we win a game, nobody talks to me." <laughs> you know, Tim Murray's not running down to say good win. The general manager, so yeah, he was well, hoping they would lose. So now he's they're back to winning one out of the last ten. So uh, yeah. they're back to being the Buffalo Sabers. But again, they're back to Todd Nelson. I mean, you put him in that position, and then you know it, he's trying to prove that he's ready he's for the he, NHL, and yeah. then everyone's crying for them to finish last. So 
It's a tough position. It's a you, you got you got to work hard harder to, to finish, finish 30th than to finish first yeah. in this league. Yeah. <laughs> because if you're finishing first, you've got really good players, and they're, they're used to winning and they want to win. When you're trying you know, to lose or not to lose, I mean, the management doesn't want them to win too many. The players want to win because they want contracts or whatever. It, it's a pretty fine uh, tightrope you're walking here to try to finish last. And, you know, I'm I'm just looking at a piece of paper here on the desk in front of me, and it says "lucky losers hope for lottery jackpot." That's last year, so we're back a year later, and it's the same headline. And that was last year when the Oilers didn't win the lottery and got Drysaddle with the third pick. And you know, and like you know, still a lot of games left to play, a very long audition period, and uh, obviously the trade deadline's still to come. And uh, players such as Jeff Petrie, Oilers defenseman. Uh, being in his uh, final year of his contract, did not sign an extension in the offseason. Of course, he's one guy who's likely on the way out. We'll see. Um, but what's, like you say, we do have some of that adrenaline coming off of these trades, and we're going to see what these players are made of um, over the course of, like you said, a couple of long road trips and still a long way to go. Um, Matty, you wrote about Neil Yakupov today. Uh, the uh, disappointing, to say the least, season he's having in his third year in the NHL, just four goals on the season. He's the number one overall pick in 2012, just three years ago. Well, I think we have to temper it a bit. It wasn't the greatest draft crop. I mean, when you look at the players in that 2012 uh, draft, the best players, probably Forsberg, and he was picked 12th, and Lindholm, he was picked 6th, and Mata, 22nd, but there's not a lot. It's not like 15 of them are, are dazzling in the NHL, so Maybe it wasn't the greatest crop, and he just happened to be the best player in that draft year of 2012. But you're right. Uh, it's time, I think, for Craig McTavish to say, okay, is this guy a, a keeper? Uh, right now, he's certainly not in the core, I mean, you know, with four goals. But does he sign him again for one year, or does he look to trading him? And I surmise that a possible trade was Adam Larson in New Jersey, who was not played by Pete DeBoer, the former former coach of the uh, New Jersey Devils. He didn't like him a whole lot, and uh, but he was the fourth player picked in 2011, and he, there was talk that he could be number one. Uh, he's a defenseman for Yakupov, who was the first player picked in 2012. So I don't know if that's a fit, and I don't even know if they'll trade him, but his stock is not very high right now, and he looks like he needs a couple. He needs many sessions with the team's sports psychologist right now, because uh, I would say more sessions with the sports psychologist and the coaching staff, because he can't find his way anywhere near the net, and he's got way more ability than that. But no shots, no goals, uh, no points. And they are trying again to find new line mates for him. He was with uh, Derek Roy and. Pouliot today and Todd Nelson talked about going in and sitting down with him today and going through some video from the other game to sort of show him what they want but um, you're right Matty he's got no his stock values down and I just don't see a lot of teams lining up at the door to take him it's just a question of if they're ready to give up on him how low are they willing to go when it comes to like his sale value I mean you know, that's the question. I mean, do they just let him go for next to nothing, or do they sign him for a year and, and hope to hell they can get something out of him? It, it's actually a sad thing to watch the uh, last few games. I mean, he's lost in space out there. Yeah. The, the, there's no real – it's an aimless game he's playing. And w in contrast to his first season, that shortened season, where, what do you get, 17 goals? Something like that? 
and and but he was dangerous. He was a dangerous offensive player many nights, and uh, he's not that anymore. And how can this be? I mean, he's he's got a big shot. He, he loves to unleash the one timer. He's got a good wrist shot. He's I mean, and he, um, I think he's a good guy who really wants to succeed. It's not like he's a I got a bad attitude or something like that. I think he's just confused. Yeah. And um, so, how do you clear that up? Because I think whether they want to, you know, double down with him and keep him here, or whether they want to move him at some point, they still have to get him playing better. Yeah. It's in their interest to do that. So obviously they're trying. But uh, I feel bad for him. I mean, yeah. uh, he, he's not. He's not a bad actor or anything like that but he's he's, he's probably one of the kids like he, he the want is there for sure I mean yeah. there's no question I mean he works hard I mean he, he the other day at practice he was the best player they have a they had a thing where they picked the best player at practice and he was the unanimous choice so I mean it, it's the, the work ethics there but as John said he's just lost and I think they've spent so much time trying to get to teach him the team game that he's completely lost what offensive touch he had and I think that's I don't know if they can get that back anytime soon. You know, you think about Yakubov, I mean, his rookie season, the lockout year, was led the team in goal scoring or tied for the lead in goal scoring yeah. under Ralph Kruger. And then these last two seasons, particularly this one, Dallas Aikens, I mean, now we're in with Todd Nelson, uh, but it's pretty early into Nelson's tenure. Do we wait and see if how things might change under Nelson before... Well, they're not going to be making any moves until well, the season's over. Right. Yeah. And then they'll see if the, somebody picks up the phone. I mean, yeah. if he, you know his game picks up a little bit, but not to where a first-round draft choice should be, you know, I mean, regardless, if they re-sign him to a one-year contract, it's not going to be for a lot of money. It'll probably just disqualifying offer, you know, off mm-hmm. four goals. And he's not going to be getting rich by any stretch. Um, you know, but he's... He does look lost in space. But, as but John this might go out. back to what John was talking about, the messaging. I mean, if, if there is a coach that can maybe get him back to where he was, maybe it is Nelson. Maybe he can cut to the chase a lot quicker with a lot fewer words and get the messaging across to Yakupov, whereas maybe Dallas talked too much and lost him somewhere along the way. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's you know, I know the comparisons are, are starting to come out or have been for a while now to Alexander Degg, mm-hmm. number one over Paul Pick from the... 20 years ago of the Ottawa Senators, 93. Um, but, you know, number one overall picks. But, you know, even, you know, over history and certainly with the Oilers, um, you know, picking up former number one overall picks was something Glenn Sather did from time to time, Roman Hammerlick, Joe Murphy, those kinds of guys. Although they're not in the same boat as Anil Yakupov, can't draw direct parallels. But is it just a matter of putting him in a different situation with a different team altogether that well, somehow I'm sure, the fire. I'm sure he's phoned the Montreal Canadiens. Craig McTavish has to say, oh, I think that Yakupov played with Galchenyuk and Junior. What do you think? But, you know, I mean, that would sound like a, not a bad marriage for those two players. They know one another well, but I don't... You're right. They, Joe Murphy had done very little with the Detroit Red Wings when they traded Jimmy Carson for him. It turned out to be a pretty good National Hockey League player for as long as he played, so... You're right. First overall picks don't usually get dra- traded early in their NHL careers, but they do. And and uh, in Hammerlick's case, he played 20-some years, so he was a pretty good first-round pick who got traded several times. Deg, Deg is not. I mean, there are some parallels, but Yakupov is, uh, to my mind, a much better long-term 
prospect than Deg. Once Deg got a little bit of a taste of the NHL, it, it developed, but he he didn't really uh, have the level of courage that you want to have for a, a player, in my opinion. His teammates uh, uh, didn't like the way he was coddled, and um, there were a number of things that he had to deal with. He was very immature. Um, Yakupov, to, to my eyes, is, as I say, seemed to be a guy. He wants to do well. He he is, you know, he came to camp this this particular right. season, upbeat and uh, happy, and he's, his English is improving, which is I mean, just a cultural change that all of the European players have to go through. And uh, I think we uh, you can't actually overestimate that. That that's a real change, especially for a teenager. Um, but uh, like this, they. Deg needed to have somebody kick him in the ass. He came to camp out of shape. There were a whole bunch of things with Alex on Deg. I mean, I was there, and I, I covered that uh, period of the Senators. And uh, Yakubov, it seems to me, is a, is a bit of a different case. I, I, I think it truly is uh, conceptual <laughs> confusion. It's like, okay, what do they want me to do now? Um, it's, it's, it, and it is I tough, think everybody's pulling for him because he is a good guy, and he does work hard. But <coughs> I don't – I get all these people that – send messages to you on Twitter, well, play him with Ryan Nugent Hopkins then. You should be getting five games. Ten, want to play him with him. More time on the power play. I mean, I don't know. You're supposed to be rewarded for not playing well. I mean, why would you take him off a line when Jordan Eberle's going good just to see if Yakupov can start scoring some goals? I think he's got to start scoring with whomever he's playing with. And... You know, if that, I think what he, the first breakthrough for him should be scoring on the power play when he's got one extra man on the ice and he says, okay, I'm starting to feel it now. Now at five on five, let's see if I can do something. But, you know, they do, they have been playing him a, you know, reasonable amount on the power play. He's getting like a, you know, two to three minutes a game on the power play. So it's not like he's sitting on the bench. So he is getting some chances. But like I said, everybody's kind of pulling for him, but there's nothing there. That was the appearance of the uh, the midseason wreckage of this team. Well, maybe it's not wreckage since we're not at the end yet. Battered, badly battered body of the team. Bright spot and Joanne, something that I think you're writing about today. Um, Ryan Eugene Hopkins has had a good year, and have, in fact, a we've seen definitely seen progress this year. Yeah, no, and I asked him that today, like how tough it is to sort of you know put together a season he's put together when the team's mirrored mired in the streak that it has been at times and you know I mean he's quietly gone about things he's still not going to be that flashy player I mean from a lot of people they just look at the numbers with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and don't I don't think see the value who he has to this team but he certainly um you know his point production's up his face-off numbers are better he's certainly he's one of the top forwards in the league with ice time and I you know I think um you know, he said himself, if if he elevates his game, whatever he can do to elevate his game is going to help the team somehow, some way. And he said, if just you know, if everyone did that, there'd sort of be more results. So, um, and he's right. I mean, if everyone sort of took it upon themselves just to do a little more, they might not be in this mess. Yeah, you, uh, his points may not be such, but I bet you, if Craig McTavish sent out a, a uh, Oh, facts to the other 29 teams said I'm thinking of trading Nugent Hopkins I guarantee you yeah. 29 teams would be calling they don't care how many points he's got he's yeah. a pretty good player and he's much stronger in his skates than he was in his early N- NHL days so he's not getting points because the others just don't score much so, you know and their power play is not good so he's not getting 
He hasn't got a power play goal this year. Yeah, and he's not getting many gravy points in a power play because the power play's not good. So um, he looks like a kind of guy that if he gets 50 points that year, that's probably what he's going to get, 50 to 55 points. And he's certainly better than that, but on a team like this... uh, that's probably good enough. Well, and he's and he talked. I mean, McTavish said at the start of the season that he knew he was a good player. He had to prove he was a star player. And Nugent Hopkins came back and said, you know, I want to. I, I know I can take my game to another level. And he's not only said it; he's followed through on it, which is, you know, a lot of guys talk the talk, but don't always uh, follow up on the ice. And uh, you know, and, and those three forwards, the three core guys, you know, Nugent Hopkins, Taylor Hall. Jordan Eberle are all playing on a line again, again. together. Yeah. And we've seen Eberle scoring in recent games more often. Um, is Taylor Hall still suffering the effects of that injury from back in November a little bit still? I think a little bit. Like, you've seen him around the rink once in a while with ice bags, and he hasn't quite been the same. He doesn't play with the same gusto that he did before he was hurt. But, again, it's one of those things probably won't find out till the end of the season or till something else happens, but... Yeah, that's the only problem with the orders. You got to put all three of them on the same line, and then you're saying, "Okay, where's the other offense coming from?" Every now and then, yeah. to be honest, the orders getting more from Matt Hendricks and Boyd, Boyd Gordon, Gordon yeah. and stuff than they are getting from the second and third line players wow. in a lot of games. And and that fourth line often starts as the fourth line, but it plays more than the third line. You know, the titular third line, and you know, which is good and bad, I guess. Uh, but, you know, Matt Hendricks got five goals and also missed, you know, a number of games. So, I mean, that's and ten points. Well, they've, so. in essence, become their checking line. I mean, they're, I mean, essentially, they're their third line now. Like, for the amount of time they're playing and the roles they're, and the times that they're out on the ice. Um, and, you know, good on them. I mean, they, they've earned the time. They should be they should be, be sent out there as often as they are. Now, I know this wasn't on our, uh, on our list as we walked in the door, but... The goaltending. I mean, you know, fast played against the Red Wings, but Ben Scrivens has been the man in that over these last since Christmas, at least. Well, a he's got a contract that carries him into next season, so they have to see what they can get out of him. Um, and he has his game is better. I mean, there's no question. Over the last four or five games, four games for sure, he's markedly better. And um, you know, I think they were just running with him to see how far they could go, but. Conversely, as Nelson said, we were a little surprised the other night against Detroit that out of the blue they decided to start Victor Foss, who hadn't played. Ben had started, I think, nine of the last ten. And, um, you know, to Victor went out and threw down a decent game. So A lot of Swedes in the Detroit game. He probably knows probably. most of those Swedes. <laughs> Maybe so he knew, I figured yeah. they'd, they'd, play, they'd play him. And it, I mean, the time John, was John right would probably worked. concur, but I, you know, I mean, Victor Foss is going to be in another team at the trading deadline. Yeah. He's an unrestricted free agent. If you know, but they had to get him playing. They have to get him playing. And right. if if one team is looking for a backup goaltender, they'll yeah. be trading Victor Foss. And, yeah. and I think Victor, hopefully for his case, he's a terrific guy. Hopefully, he gets some traction in the next couple yeah. of, you know, six eight eight weeks or so because you know he's a much better goaltender than he's shown yeah. uh, this year. You know, these goalies that they have are transitional goalies. Every single one of them. Uh, including Bachman and the Miners, and the only one who is supposedly headed somewhere is, is uh, Laurent Barrasois, which will have to remain to be seen. But but um, um, this is part of the deal <laughs> with the others. They get they they can play decently well, but but I, I would argue that Foss is a natural backup, and so some team that's looking for depth heading into the playoffs might make a move for him. Um, 
Scrivens is uh, perhaps more physically robust. So we'll see. But 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 the um, the starting point really for the rebuild of the, the ongoing rebuild of this franchise is elite goaltending, and they don't have that. It's not not to my eyes, anyway. Yeah, it's back on the list this off season. There's a lot of things. That list of <laughs> it never got in, didn't get any shorter. Yeah, it's not exactly in a daytime or it's a full, full piece of fool's cap. Yeah. It's not just a when you thought you were finished. Yeah, there's lots. There's lots. That list is and it's in pencil because it's he's changing it all the time. I'm sure. Um, you know, we could talk for two hours here. I mean, we have this another thing on the list. I don't even know if it was on the list or maybe it was. We write this list down before we come in here, supposedly. Bob Green's name has come up today on Twitter, and there's nothing official from the Oilers on it. Um, but apparently, he's might be factoring more into player development. Apparently, um, and of course, you know, uh, as we know, Bob Nicholson and whoever else is apparently doing an audit of the operation of the team. And uh, is this the sort of move uh, that we would want to see at this point in time? I don't know. I think it's just natural that Bob would be doing more than what he's was hired to do, which is amateur free agent scouting. I think they valued the job he did with the Oil Kings. So, and they haven't really had a player development. If it's player development, that usually goes to a former player, who's you know in a lot of cases that's Bill Guerin was in player development, Todd Marchant's in player development for Anaheim. It's usually a former player that does that, not a general manager. But um, he's a very qualified individual. Now I don't know where that puts the pro scouting and whether they're going to keep the pro, all the pro scouts they've got, change the head of, of pro scouting or the amateur scouting. I think that's all very much in flux. and That seems to be the bugbear of pretty much everybody in Oiler Nation now that the, the scouting part of things has to get better. Well, and it does. I mean, there's no question. That's sort of on the table right now. So if, if Bob is elevated into another role, I mean, I don't think we'd be surprised by it. I don't think we'll see anything official, though, until after they have scouting meetings, I think, next week. So I think there'll be a, a bit of a lull here before anything's finalized or made official. But, um, I mean, he's been around. He's He was at the World Juniors with Scott Housen and Craig McTavish, and he sort of moved out of – there weren't a lot of college, you know, like a, there was no reason for him to be there other than the fact that he's taking on another role here in the near future. I mean, at this point, it's one hand clapping. We don't know anything official, to be honest. Green was um, in in Toronto at the in Toronto Montreal, I guess, at the uh, World Junior Hockey Championship. Eyebrows were raised a little bit. Like, what? Why was he there? And Craig McTavish, what, what was? What did this signify? Which probably led to people asking some questions about whether his status has changed. But um, I do find it curious that this information is out there, uh, unattributed, just kind of out there. Um, I mean. I don't personally think that reflects well on an organization that has to tighten up and become more professional, not be seen as some leaky ship where uh, significant moves are just kind of floating around out on um, the Twitterverse. But, you know, maybe that's just sour grapes. That's not the first time. Well, yeah, this this um, this forensic this whole forensic audit, I just don't get it myself. I don't know how you can do a forensic audit of unless you bring in somebody from the outside to look at your operation from the outside, not within. Uh, and I know Bob Nicholson was brought in, but he's now in the organization, so he's 
looking at all these people that he knows. <laughs> you bring in somebody from outside, uh, that would make more sense to me. Somebody who's n not necessarily working for another team, but somebody who did work for another team. And so it's a management. pretty fancy word to use for essentially navel gazing. Let's examine ourselves and see what changes we can make. But you throw out a word like forensic and then some of the media pals of some of these big shots. So, ooh, forensic, there's a good word. I can throw that out there in my next panel discussion on TV. And it sounds very official and forensic audit. Give me a break. I mean, that sounds like it's scientific and, and somehow criminal, which, of course, criminal. Maybe it, maybe it is a criminal. Well, it makes me think Ted Danson's going to come through the door <laughs> of CSI or something. There you I go. Know. Yeah, forensic audits, yes. Well, hopefully they they talk it out and they realize what changes have to be made because certainly some have to be made when you're 30th place again. Well, I think we'll leave it there for today. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.